Thanks, Jack. Um, so yes, this is indeed a talk about hedgehogs. It's about why there aren't nearly as many of them in Britain as there used to be. It's also about how the same problems that face British hedgehogs also drive a huge proportion of global biodiversity loss. And importantly, this is a talk about why I believe that realization can actually be a source of hope and optimism. So this is the task I've set myself in the 11 and a half minutes remaining to me. I shall guide you on a whirlwind voyage that shall carry you from British hedgehogs to global conservation and then back to your own garden and your own fridge. And now I come to say that out loud, it does all sound a bit ambitious. So yeah, good luck everyone. We're going in. Uh, next slide, please. So hopefully in a second, yeah. This is a hedgehog. It's a relatively small, pretty omnivorous insectivore, which means that while it specializes in eating crawly and slithery things like beetle larvae and worms, it will also happily eat eggs and some vegetable matter and of course any cat or dog food left out by generous homeowners such as yourselves. Hedgehogs are highly mobile, which means that getting any sort of accurate count of their numbers is incredibly difficult. So unfortunately, the best data we have on what's happening to them in Britain comes from hedgehogs that have been run over by cars, which is terrible, but at least they have the advantage of staying still for long enough to be counted in surveys. And what these car survey data are suggesting is a species in steep decline, that we've lost 70% of our hedgehogs in the last 30 years. Now, there are many factors that contribute to this decline. The cars are an obvious one. In any given year, we lose several hundreds of thousands of hedgehogs on the road, which is a lot. But the biggest cause of their decline probably isn't cars. In fact, it's almost certainly what's on the next slide, please. So you probably weren't expecting a foray into astronomy here, but bear with me. What you're looking at is the average distance between the Earth and the Moon. And did you know that you can fit all of the planets of the solar system into that distance? Next slide, please. Um, before I started writing my book, Ghosts in the Hedgerow, I didn't know this, but apparently it's true. How is this relevant to hedgehogs? Well, because on this scale, next slide, this green line represents the total amount of hedgerow that Britain removed in 50 years between 1940 and 1990. That is about 600,000 kilometers, enough to get you to the moon and most of the way back. The hedgerows were removed as part of agricultural intensification, the post-war drive to make British farming more productive and efficient, which it did, but at a cost. The name hedgehog is a clue to why that might have been a bad thing. Hedgehog is not a joke name. Hedgehogs are small, snuffly mammals that very superficially resemble tiny pigs, and they're heavily dependent on hedgerows. Hedges provide them with nesting sites, shelter from being predated on by badgers. They're warmer than the surrounding agricultural fields and, importantly, harbour an amazing diversity and abundance of the invertebrate prey that hedgehogs need to eat. You remove a hedge, you've removed hedgehogs' food, shelter, principal method of moving around the countryside all in one hit. And we removed 600,000 kilometers of prime hedgehog habitat. 
That alone makes the decline in their numbers completely unsurprising. But agricultural intensification also came with a huge reliance on herbicides and pesticides and heavy farm machinery. Next slide, please. As you can see, the amount of pesticide and the total area being sprayed has just gone up and up and up. And the result of this has been the wholesale loss of farmland invertebrates. When I was a kid, 30 <clears throat> something years ago, one of my pocket money jobs was cleaning dead insects off the car after a journey. I can't remember the last time I had to do that because cars are just hitting fewer insects. And that is not because aerodynamic aerodynamics have improved, it's because aerial invertebrates are vanishing at a horrific rate. There was a study in Germany across 63 nature reserves that estimated the total combined weight of insects fell by three quarters in the 30 years before 2016. And that's pretty much because the insects were moving out of the reserves where they were being measured into the surrounding agricultural land and dying there. And a study in Denmark showed exactly the same thing, about 80% decline in flying insects in 20 years up to 2007. And that study went further by showing that the decline in insects was matched by a decline in house martins, barn swallows, sand martins, all birds that eat insects. And the true, same is true again in North America, which is estimated to have lost 3 billion birds in 50 years, just under a third of all the birds the country was able to support in the 1970s. They're gone. And the worst hit birds were the insectivores, exactly the same as hedgehogs. So basically, you would not want to be a snuffly insectivore living on modern British farmland. OK, kind of a bad example. You don't want to be a snuffly insectivore anyway. But if you're given the option of being one now or being one in the 1930s, you would massively prefer to be an insectivore in the 1930s prior to agricultural intensification. Agri agricultural intensification is a huge driving force behind biodiversity loss the world over. In 2016, a study examined 8,700 species on the red list of threatened species, the internationally recognized standard for evaluating different species risk of extinction. The greatest threat was overexploitation stemming from logging. That's you know, unsurprising. The second greatest was the conversion of wildlife habitats into agricultural land, coupled with the intensification of existing agriculture, the piling on of herbicides, insecticides to get more calories out of every square meter. Agricultural conversion and intensification imperiled two thirds of all the threatened species examined. So what has happened to British hedgehogs is one example among millions of species worldwide. The result of this in Britain for hedgehogs has been to shove hedgehogs a long way down the road to becoming an exclusively urban species. They are now found most commonly in parks and gardens where they're less likely to get nobbled by a badger. It's warmer. There are better nesting sites and there's a lot more food available. But even in our gardens here, they're not safe because of the urban equivalent of agri agricultural intensification, which is called urban intensification. Now, urban intensification happens when green spaces in cities are developed into housing. Sure, we've seen that happening all around us. Um, and what that does is it removes habitats for wildlife and it fragments existing populations of animals, making it more difficult for them to move around and so more isolated. But it also happens when individual homeowners become increasingly tidy minded. Next slide, please. And that is happening 
a lot. Every bit of decking, every concrete base for shed, every beautifully cropped lawn, every patio stand of artificial grass is again taking wildlife habitat that used to exist and rendering it utterly useless. And that is why hedgehogs are declining even in our towns and cities, because we are literally tidying them to death. Um, this picture right here is hedgehog anathema. There is literally, there is no, there are no flowers, there are no shrubs, there are no untidy patches where we could find invertebrates. There is no way for a hedgehog to even get into either of these gardens. In terms of supporting British wildlife, they're useless. Nationally, we have about 23 million gardens covering something like 4,300 square kilometers of the country. Even if we ignore things like playing fields and parks, which can be really important hedgehog habitats, they're full of worms, our gardens on their own could support between 40,000 and 140,000 hedgehogs, but only if they can get into them in the first place. So, okay, this all sounds very gloomy and I talked about hope and optimism, but I honestly believe that what I've just described should be a source of optimism for everyone. It's really tempting to feel helpless when you're faced with even one of our sort of beloved species disappearing, let alone millions upon millions that are threatened globally. I'm a conservation researcher, I know I feel this every single day, but then I remember hedgehogs are a wild animal that voluntarily come into our garden. What we do as individuals in our own home affects them deeply. And the same is true for many, many species. If we want to be part of a solution that helps wildlife, both locally and globally, I'm suggesting we have three very, very easy things we can do. First, open up your garden to wildlife. Next slide, please. Remember that your gardens, even if right in the center of a city, they're home to wild creatures from invertebrates up to large mammals and birds of prey. If you want hedgehogs to visit, cut a hole in each fence panel about the size of a CD case and that will let them in. If you want them to have food when they do visit, leave some untidy patches, a little pile of logs, some wildflowers. Uh, next slide, please. Observe no mow may. Aim for a garden that looks a bit like this. Immediately, the abundance of wildlife in your garden will shoot up. And that takes less work than keeping your garden tidy. Rather than mowing the lawn, have a cup of tea. Do that twice, you're helping wildlife more. And for me, these gardens look infinitely more lovely. Next slide, please. This is the Barbican Centre in the middle of London, and it's thriving with wildlife that keep kids fascinated. Um, so that's step one. Step two, pass it on. Explain to your neighbours why your garden looks like this. Tell them it looks beautiful. Encourage them to do the same. More and more people are understanding that we should just be giving over a little patch of our gardens to wildlife. If we all do it, it'll be great. Third, if you're concerned by the loss of global biodiversity, make one or two easy changes to your diet. Because as we've heard, agricultural intensification is a key driver of species loss. And the main driver of agricultural intensification globally is demand for meat, especially red meat. If everyone in the world replaced only one of in five of their beef meat meals with microprotein or corn to you and me, that would halve the projected rate of global forest loss by 2050. By 2050, it would halve it. It would also slow down climate change by reducing global methane emissions by about 10%. And if we all halve the amount, if we all halve the amount of beef we eat, it would reduce deforestation and methane emissions by 
it's a small change. It will benefit your health, it will save you money, and it will prevent a huge number of global extinctions. You don't have to give anything up, just reduce meat consumption a little bit. So when I came, next slide please, when I came to write the concluding chapter of my book on hedgehogs, Ghosts in the Hedgerow, I honestly found a new source of optimism because these things are easy. I mean, even for people like me, I've got a small child and two jobs. Leave a few wildlife patches in your garden, cut some holes to help hedgehogs, eat a bit less meat, talk to other people and get them involved. And people do want to be involved, especially if it will help hedgehogs. I'm already seeing changes in our collective behavior. I see people up and down my street getting involved in no mow may. So if you want to help hedgehogs and an abundance of other wildlife, it's something you can do at home. It'll cost you less time and money than you're currently spending. And if that's all you do, you're still being a magnificent part of the solution. The more people get involved, the greater the benefit for everyone. Thank you.